Blog Talk Radio.
what they had to do, what they had to go through, and how those skills will trans- transition into this new digital media. And since anybody from that era has the nerve enough to reboot a label now, has to know what they're doing. But as the Bible says, there's nothing new under the sun. Watch how those skills translate into this new digital technology. So, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a proud pleasure. A gentleman I never met, so I'm meeting him for the first time, just like you you listening, uh, Nat Robinson. Nat, welcome to the Love Zone USA, man. I'm honored to be with you this evening, and let's make it work, and let's educate. Okay. First thing I want to talk about, we're going to talk about several several things, and Nat and I had a conversation Tell the audience about your background prior to starting the label, and where did, we, before we even get to the club thing, where, where did you grow up? Where, where did you grow up out of? I grew up in Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy. Okay. Um, now, before I get to that club, I also want to ask you, for somebody who eventually migrated into a record label, did, did you play any instruments? What, what, was, your, what was your relationship to music? prior to you getting into that business? Well, I actually was an engineer for IBM, and I um, transitioned. I couldn't – I didn't want to be an engineer anymore, and I transitioned from IBM into the nightclub business. And that was Mm. right back. I built the number one club in New York. And then we transitioned from the club business into the hip-hop business based on one of my sons pushing me because uh, I met so many people in the clubs, you know, Sylvia Rome, Russell Simmons, and I pushed him, and we weren't able to get him into a label, so we decided to start a label. Okay, and, and I want to stop you there because I want to go back to Tribeca. Now, I was away in Australia during that time period, and when I came back, I started working back at NJR. But I know of Tribeca. I'd never been to the club. It was legendary, legendary. So let me ask you then, during that era, were you what kind of music do you remember that was played mostly out of that, that we were, era? We were playing we were playing dance music in that time. We wasn't playing okay. hip hop. And the only artist that ever really did hip hop in that club, Russell brought uh Curtis Blow down to the club. And he asked me okay. to let him play let him do. He had a record called These Are the Breaks. And right. I and because it was so danceable I let him perform it in the club because it was a dance club. Well, that was that was right on the cusp of hip hop because he right released the, the record eighty two, and that's when I uh, introduced Jigs to uh, Joe Robinson. Oh, by the way, are you any kin to Joe Robinson? Yeah, I know you guys. Can no, I, I'm no kin to Joe or Sylvia. I, one of these days, I'll send you some pictures with me hanging out with Sylvia, Richard Pryor. Ronnie Isley, and Billy Paul. I'll send you some pics one day. <laughs> I'm your idol, the highest title, numero uno. I'm not a Puerto Rican, but I'm speaking so that you know. And understand I got the gift of speech and it's a blessing So listen to the lesson I preach I talk sense condensed into the form of a poem Full of knowledge from my toes to the top of my dome I'm kinda young, but my tongue speaks maturity I'm not a child, I don't need nothing for security I get paid when my record is played, to put it short I got 
got it made. I got it made. I got it I'm outspoken, my language is broken into a slang, but it's just the dialect that I select when I hang, I play it cool, cause fooling is all that I'm about, just fooling with the girlies, yes, I'm busting it out, I'm special ed, and you can tell by the style that I use, I'm creatively superior, yo, I never lose, I never lost, cause I'm the boss, I never will, cause I'm still the champion, chief one, won't lose until, I choose, which I won't, cause I don't retreat, I run you over like a truck and leave you dead in the street, you're inviting me a titan to a battle, why, I don't need your respect, cause I... Got it, may 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 I'm talented, yes, I'm gifted, never boosted, never shoplifted. I got the cash, but money ain't nothing. Make a million dollars every record that I cut And my name is Special Ed and I'm a super duper star Every other month I get a brand new car Got 20, that's plenty, yet I still want more Kinda find a Honda Scooter's got 74 I got the riches to fulfill my needs Got land in the sand of the West Indies Even got a little island of my very own I got a frog, a dog with a solid gold bone An account to account the amount I spent Got a treaty with Tahiti cause I own a percent Got gear out where for every day Boutiques from France to the USA And I make all the money from the rhymes I invent So it really doesn't matter how much I spent Because yo, I make fresh rhymes daily You burn me? Really? Think, just blink And I've made a million rhymes Just imagine if you blink a million times Damn, I'd be paid I got it made I got it made I got it made I'm kinda spoiled, cause everything I want I got made, I wanted gear Got everything from cotton to suede, I wanted leg I didn't beg, I just got laid, my hair was growing too long So I got me a fader when my dishes got dirty I got cascade and when the weather was hot I got a spot in the shade, I'm wise because I rise to the top of my grade Wanted peace on earth, so to God I prayed Some kids across town thought I was afraid they couldn't harm me I got the army brigade, I'm not a traitor If what you got is greater, I'll trade But maybe later, cause my waiter made potato Alligator souffle I got it made I got it made I got it made Club Tribeca, you transitioned from that to uh, to 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 the record business. Now, this is this is this, and I did hear this with someone else with the interview that I told you earlier. I, I did some prep on. Mm-hmm. I, I did understand that you were shopping your son's music. Now, at that yeah. time, I'm I'm going to ask you this: Were you trying to get on a CBS, MCA, hip hop label? Uh, what, what I guess, and, and here's the the, the, the the prelude to the to the question. So, if you're shopping your son's record around that time, was Bad Boy Records out, or you're still shopping a record that you're trying to take to the major labels? I was trying to take it to the major labels. I took it to to um to Atlantic, 
and and they passed. Well, I'll back up a second. I knew Russell. I told my sons, I said, let me call Russell, see if I can get a meeting with him. I got a meeting okay. with him. They went up. I didn't go. And they waited. Russell, they said, uh, Russell's here. And they waited. And he was in two or three-hour meeting. And they finally got frustrated and they left. I said, guys, you should have stayed there until the office closed. That's what you have to do. And right. that didn't work. Uh, I went to um, Atlantic. Uh, there was a guy named Timmy Regiford at the time. Uh, they passed. Um, then I went to the Independence, a guy named Fred Maneo that had a label called Select. Um, I remember Select. They listened to Remember Select. They passed. And then I'm the kind of guy I got frustrated. I said, you know what? I'm going to start a label. So we started with Milk doing top billing and Light doing a song called Cram to Understand You. So we had the two of them, and we started working on that. And eventually we we did an independent thing. We went out. We did all our records. Everything was independent. But what happened, it it, it kind of put us into individual territories. We had New York. Connecticut and New Jersey. We did some in Boston. We had Richmond, Virginia. We had Texas, and we had California. Uh, a record, a radio station called K Day. Back in the days, most people don't know that unless you grew up in hip hop. Twenty four hour hip hop station, right. the only one in the country. Right. That was so in California. we were locked. Yes, yeah, in California. We were locked into that. We couldn't move any further. Oh, I'm sorry. We started getting into Ohio also as an independent. So eventually, a guy named Larry Yaskart, who was a president over at um, Atlantic, approached me. And he brought us in. And I met the magnificent Sylvia Rome. Mm. She was early on in her career. And Mm. we were her first signing. And she signed us. And she signed us internationally that allowed us to get into those other U.S. territories and territories around the world. Because, like I said, we must have had maybe seven or eight places that we were locked in. And she took us nationwide. With the record that you're taking her, this this is, well, you said they went to meet with Russell. So Russell had his label already. Would you say that was yes. the major hip hop label? Bad Boys wasn't around at that time, or what were they? Bad Boys was not around. You had a couple of other labels. You had Fred Mineo Select. You had um, uh, Profile with uh, uh, Corey Robbins. You had right. Sleeping Bag. You had Sleeping Bag. Right. You know, you had a, you had a few hip hop labels, mostly out of New York. Okay. And then you had the LA labels, you know, you had you had Easy A Easy E and Heller. They they had uh, Ruthless. Right. And right, right. and so we started getting the labels in, in California. Then you know, you a little went down to um to Houston and you know, you had um rap a lot. And right. after one of the and then you you know, you had um later on you had uh Swisher House, which one of the guys was one of my partners at. Gotcha. And that was the growth of of hip hop in its in its incubation stages. So so tell our audience now you you, you decided to set up your own label. Tell your 
tell our audience what you had to do to get this record started. How, how, give, give us the blueprint of how you got it. Now, you got this record recorded. You went into the studio. Now you got a finished mm-hmm. piece of product. And you you've never been in a record label before, but you've owned a, never, a club. Never been a re- never worked never worked in a, level, a record label before. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 did you do to start? Now now my background, I worked at CBS Records. I promoted the very first platinum record, and I'm gonna tell it till till I'm gone because you know I didn't uh-huh. I didn't take credit for it back then, but I promoted the very first platinum single in the history of the music business. So tell them what you had to do as an independent label. Um, to get this record started, where, where did you go first? What, what do you remember? Okay, well, the first thing we did, we 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 were the first record label in Brooklyn, hip hop record label. So gotcha. what we did, we created a family atmosphere. Everybody could come in, hang out, uh, from Isaiah Washington to Malik Yarborough to uh, to the Roots to a lot. Everybody hung out in our office. That was the hangout spot. So okay. we, 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 we got to know everybody. And then what we do, we did. I come from marketing. I come from IBM marketing. We okay. started doing things with, that was not traditional in the record business. We did simple things like we would take stickers and put them on it. This is the phone booth days. We had a phone outside. We put a label oh, in yeah. every phone booth in, in New York and Brooklyn. We put it in every car and every window on the trains and you know we would wow. just do all kinds of, we would we would get buttons. We would do anything that would expose us. So I'll you're you're coming from the you let me cut you off for a second now. So you're coming from the Tribeca world of promoting with mm-hmm. flyers. Now you're taking right. these flyers and you're you're making them stick ons and you're taking that mentality to just expose now on the sticker, what would you say? What are you saying on this sticker? Because it's it's real uh, short, is, and it, you know milk, how, how New York is. Chilling. Okay. Yeah, milk is chilling. Top billing, first priority. Oh. oh, oh, okay, okay. So you created that was curiosity. It. You didn't have you a, you have a picture on the, Did you have the picture on the sticker or no? Just words. No picture. No picture. Just okay. words. Blue and red words. Then we were, we went out. And we we actually started manufacturing CDs of of the product and okay. well vinyl in vinyl excuse me vinyl and we would go stand out in front of the clubs as they turned out and we give we would give everybody a CD. So free. you're giving this away to the public, John Q. Public, free to the public, free. Okay. And then you know we got that from the uh, cigarette companies. I don't know if you recall, they used to stand yeah. on the corner. Yes, yep. and give away yep. free cigarettes. <laughs> so, so you're copy and pasting that model into records. Yes, the street street, street, street promotion. Okay, gotcha. The street street promotion. We gave it away. We pushed it. We pushed it. We pushed it. Then we went to the radio stations. I don't know if you remember Hank Love and those guys back in the day. They had the kind of pay radio stations. And then you know we had Hank. we had Chuck Chill Out. We had Red Alert. Oh yeah, 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 you know, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Chill Out. Okay. Yeah, we had Marley Mall. So we right. started pushing, pushing New York. Eventually, Marley started playing the record, Top Billing. Marley was the first one. Red, okay. I can tell you now, Red gave me a hard time. He wouldn't play it. He wouldn't play it. He wouldn't play it. <laughs> Eventually, he played it, and he told me one day, he said, Nat, I have a crate of records 
and every record in that crate is top billing. You must have gave me that record about 25 times. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we had we had uh, Marley jumped on it, Red jumped on it, Chuck Chill Out jumped on it. Um, most of the cats in, in New York, we had, they didn't have show. I mean, they, did, they didn't have um, a presence in the daily um, scheduling, but they had the mix shows at night. Right, the mix shows. Gotcha, gotcha. Right.
let me ask you, from the, from the sales mm-hmm. standpoint, you're getting this airplay yeah. on these mix shows. You got that's the promo copy you got going, okay? So now right. stock. How much stock did, did just tell our audience? How much did you press up as far as stock? Or I or pressed you up got about, money for stock. Well, or well, well, no, I'll tell you what happened. I was pressing records in New York with a company called Pearl um, Music, a, re- a distribution company. It was costing gotcha. me a dollar a record. So you know, I was gotcha. doing like five thousand records. Then um um. Luke so you had five thousand sitting somewhere in a warehouse, office, wherever, right? Right. right and, and and the promos. What would you say you gave out? Just so our audience has a blueprint. I lo- I love this. We we're gonna really do the blueprint. Well, well, well I'm gonna tell you. You're gonna. They're not gonna believe this. We gave away about ten thousand pieces of of music before we really caught on. Really. Okay. Really. You know. You know. Luke Skywalker. I was paying a dollar a record. So I'm talking to Luke. Right. You remember Luke? Luke Skywalker? Yeah, yeah. He's down in and Florida. He, right. Down in Florida. So Luke said, Nat, you're crazy. I can get these records pressed for you 40 cents a piece in in Florida. I said, are you kidding me? That's like 60% okay. less than I was paying. So I This is a 12-inch, right? This is a 12-inch now? 12-inch. 12-inch okay. that, changed, that changed, the, changed the world. <laughs> yep. Um, Luke got Go me the records for 40 cents a record. So that's when I cut in and it was very valuable. We're getting two for one and we got 20 cents left over. Right. So so Luke hooked us up and we really got vinyl very cheap. So that's that's when we pushed the other 5,000. And then one day I'm walking down the street in Manhattan. Some kids are driving by in their car and all I could hear was top billing. Milk is chilling. Gears. I'm like, whoa. It was the most amazing oh, wow. thing to hear that on the radio. Absolutely. 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 And from, we said, oh, my God, we're in the game. We, we didn't think we were winners, but we're in the game. In the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were in Absolutely. the game. And from so that, that point, point on, we just mm-hmm. – Go ahead. Go ahead. No, we started servicing all the Ma and Pa radio uh, record shops. And the kids out there, if you don't know what that means, that means a small record store that bought 10 and 20 records for, from you at a time. Not a lot. And when they sold those, you would do it on concession. You cut, They would give you the money and you give them 10 or 20 more. Right. Consignment. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And there was yep. a place in Brooklyn on Pickett Avenue called Soul Shack. And that was one of the most, that store handled all the Brownsville and East New York and it was, it was amazing. You could walk in there and give them 100 records. And next week they wanted another 100. Now, now. So that's how just, it started. It started in New just York. To in, a, in, in New York, in Brooklyn. Now, in, to just interject, mm-hmm. in those mom and pop shops, that's what we called in-store play, where the DJs are just people exactly. who played it on the record player in the, in the exactly. store. Exactly. With the speakers outside. <laughs> With the speakers outside, absolutely. Okay, now yeah. now I'm in that era. I, I I'm I'm I just want to get this movie clear for those listening. You know, this isn't a documentary, but we're gonna try to do it. By the way, I I just you know it's funny you and I are talking just to go off subject for a little bit. That did you see that documentary on the evolution of hip hop that's on Netflix? Yes, yes, I did. You did. I, learned, I just I watched so much from that. 
I just watched it the other night before Melissa mm-hmm. told me we were going to be doing this interview. So I'm, I'm going to interject some of that in, in here a little later on. So, okay, we okay. got this record going in Brooklyn. You, you're selling records. And now you're getting some return on your money, I, I'm presuming. Um, well, well, my get, return, uh, it, was go, it was going right back into it as fast as we got it. Okay, so, so you're, 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 flipping, wasn't making you're flipping the record. Profit, no. Yes. You're flipping. We were, were making money, money and then we had to put it back. Mm-hmm. You're putting it back for for promos and stock to sell it. It's eventually not. get to, the, to to eventually get mm-hmm. to the profit profit land, but that's down the line. Okay, so now that's you're in Brooklyn. Uh, you mentioned the other states. So, where at what point are you? Do you remember numbers from that? Like you 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 mentioned yes, ten thousand. Yes. yes. I, I remember the numbers. Yes. What well, was the what was the breaking point for the for the record where you really felt like not only are you in the game, but this is this is getting ready to start something where where you the two when, sticks when we knew, together when we, are now turning into fire. Well, we knew on the hip hop um, on the hip hop level, and the mix shows, top billing was number one in probably about eight to ten states. Okay. That's when we knew. That's when we knew we were on our way. Um, there's a young man down in Virginia. I just spoke to him this evening. His name is El Bravador in Richmond, Virginia. He broke everything for us, hip hop in in Virginia. We had guys in in um, Ohio and, and like you said in California. Uh, you, you know Sway. Right. Sway. Yes, yeah, Sway used to be a remixer. He actually remixed stuff for me back in the days. Okay. So we okay. Went in California, and we just we went everywhere, and we and where we where we ever we could get in or fit in, that's where we went. Because again, okay, the only radio station that had hip hop twenty four hours was K Day. K Day, correct. Everything right. else in the country was mix shows. That was all. Right. Absolutely. Um, On the weekends so, or the nights. That, exactly. That kind of the <laughs> you had to wait to every Friday and Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you. I told you. I played it on the weekend. I told you. I yeah, told you I played that's it right. Weekend. And then Kim Davis, he was with me, and he started playing. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were doing those. That. Those were the beautiful yeah. times. Those, it those was were. Fun, and it wasn't about money as much. The kids started working. There was a place in New York called the Latin Quarters. It was a hip hop place. Oh, Craziest. Yeah. Yeah. Craziest place in the world. Absolutely. You got paid Absolutely. $500 a night. I mean, we'd have $500 milk, light $500, Keras, one, um, uh, Steps of Sonic. Um, everybody down there got paid $500 a night. A super lover seed. You might not remember them for back in those days. Um, so that was it. No more money than 500 a night. So to, for the kids to make money, we had to hustle. So we'll do it. We'll do that there. Then we'll run out to Jersey, do a show. Then the next night we would do the same thing, and then maybe Sunday we'd do one. So the kids made twenty five hundred dollars a week from doing okay. shows. Yes. 
Now you, you're not only doing, you, you're not only selling records. Now you've gotten into the booking of shows and you're doing track dates, right? They're, they're working with tracks. Correct. They're working okay. with tracks. Okay. And, okay. and the kids are happy. You know, $2,500 for a young kid was a lot of money, you know. Oh, so they, yeah. they yeah, were happy. Yeah. yeah, they were making their money. Nobody was taking any percentages of it. It was what it was, you know. Um, so now, now hip-hop started to grow. 
Now, I know as you you know and can tell the audience, Run DMC started to blow up. Right, Russells. And, and I'm I'm not yeah. I'm not talking about the Sugar Hill Gangs. I'll be I'll be real honest. They came down to my club Tribeca, and they came there once, and my guys were at the door, and they didn't know who they were, and they didn't let them in. Wow. Because they were real young. Um, right. And then later on, somebody said the Sugar Hill Gang came down. I'm like, really? So. That was that was that was that era. We was not a hip hop club, but once Curtis played in there and everybody knew it, the hip hop artists started to come down. That was before I actually went into music business. So, you know, clubs and music all mixes they mixes in together, and you you learn and you meet a lot a lot of people from that. Mm -hmm. And and see what I want the audience to understand: he didn't know the business. He's going out there mm-hmm. off his business knowledge from the club business, turning right. that promotion and marketing because any nightclub owner or, or working in a club or however, you know you got to bring people in there to buy drinks and you got to get the in. word out. So, so, you, you so Nat, Nat's promoting this record as if it's a nightclub, but he now has a product versus a club. Right. So now, exactly. and this, this, this is really kind of the beginning of hip-hop because the record that started is the, is the one I can take the, the claim for. Hip-hop doesn't, Sugar Hill Gang was rap. That was, that was 79. That's when I played that on WJR. Hip-hop starts okay. in 1982. I know it exactly because that's when Joe Robinson called me to get Jigs to produce the message. So the message okay. is the record that everybody reverts back to as the start of hip hop. So now, as I'm talking to Nat right now, and I'm getting this all lined up for you out there in the audience, is the fact that his record is happening probably at the same time Jigs is cutting, cutting the method. It's not out yet. I don't think because we're still talking about Curtis Blow, so that's like a dance, dance rap kind of thing that's getting ready to change over, and it doesn't change until Grandmaster Flash and them do the method. So now what are I'm saying... About, are you talking about Jigs, the producer? Yeah, Jigs is... I'm the one who referred him to Joe Robinson. Well, Joe... Jigs did stuff for me later on in life, I'll tell you later, and did productions for me. Trust me. Jigs is a bad brother. I'm glad he did. <laughs> he's a bad he, brother. <laughs> he, he, he's, a, he's a bad man. So what oh, I'm trying to get across to the audience, the man had no promotion marketing experience from a record label standpoint, but this is what he did to get the record started. Let's take it a step further further than that, because what I want you to talk about now is, okay, we got promotion. Now we got sales kicking in, and we now have bookings getting ready. Because I know we're going to talk about the new reboot of this label, but I'm, you know, for well, this time is going by fast because we're getting a meeting. What I want to talk about now is the artist development that you're going to do now. You have a much broader knowledge of knowing the business from there to when we talk about the new label now. I just want to get the old label out of the way. So what are you doing to teach these kids to, uh, you know, how they got to present themselves, interviews, you know, the things you learned along the way that was going to help promote the record? What did you do as far as artist development? Let's, Let's put it that way. With, with the new artist development, we we brought you know we're bringing in young kids that understand digital marketing. It's a whole nother right. world, 
Right. So that's that's we're... the new new label. I'm going back to when your your son's record were out. What did you guys do oh. as far as artist development then? Well, well, you know, it's a little different than it, it, it's not as much. Uh, I'll just tell you. I don't know if you know who Rich Nice is. Rich Rich is from um, uh, back in the day, and he told I was in out of country once, and I bumped into him, and he was telling I was with my wife, and he told us that do you, he was talking to her, and she was like talking like you know oh this is Nat. He said you don't know who this guy is, do you? I said yeah, this, uh, we weren't married at that time, and he said this guy created marketing things that we still use today. Today, this is like five years ago. We still use that today. Common, I had Common there and, and uh, Robin Thicke and Brian McKnight and Pete Rock. They were all down there doing a show. And I happened to be there, so I went to see the guys. It was in a place called Curacao down by Aruba. So okay. What, okay. What, what, hap- what happens with this stuff, you market from, from your soul. It doesn't necessarily come to work on the first approach. You right. have to go back and adjust it over and over again until it really right. fits. Right. So you adjust it. You say, okay, that didn't get it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then one of the things that really made it is that we created hit records. We created hip-hop hit records. Right. But you have to remember in those days, and you can tell them that out there because you have the experience. We were not making platinum records in those days. We were lucky if we could sell fifty thousand records of one record because it's a very but small independent, audience. Independently, that was good money. Just that real quick good. to interject: How much were you selling the twelve-inch for? Do you remember? Oh, I've got to think about that. A twelve-inch. I think we were selling. Uh, I can tell you, I used to um, that record shop down in Times Square. You remember that big record shop in Times Square? I forgot what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're talking about yeah, Tower yeah. Records. No, not Tower. It was another company. Not they, Tower. They, they played all. They they did all. Wasn't it? It was um. They 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 had all the um hip hop stuff in that record store in Times Square. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I used to give them, it wasn't that much money. On the wholesale side, I would give him 50 records, and he would give me $150. So it was $3 a record. Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. It was $3 a record, because yeah. I, I would give him 50, and he would give me 150 And they're probably selling it for seven ninety nine somewhere around there, six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. dollars Yeah, yeah I was selling it wholesale. Mm-hmm. That was before right, I got with right. Sylvia. So we, we got enough momentum that we were on the radio, we were doing shows, we were moving around the country, and that's when Larry Yaskard brought me in, introduced me to Sylvia Roan, and Sylvia okay. signed us. And we were her first signing, first hip-hop signing. And so she signed, then we she, signed, she signed audio, too, the to top billing. Well, she signed the label. Well, she wanted to sign audio, to the to top billing. And I said, Sylvia... I can only sign Audio 2 if you sign MC Light. Okay. But I'm not okay. interested in MC Light at the moment. I said, wow. well, I'm not, I, can't do the, I cannot do the deal unless I have both of them signed. Wow. And she agreed, and she signed both of them for me. Wow. You know, wow. and that's She that's, wasn't that's interested in MC Light. Wow. Right. That's, that's, but she, that's but she took the chance. 
and light blew up. <laughs> <laughs> she blew up. <laughs> yeah, light definitely blew. Light lit it up. <laughs> lit it up. She lit it up. That's an amazing and, um, story. She didn't. She didn't. Right. She didn't but Sylvia knows. Sylvia, Sylvia, she made a good move. She's a super executive, and being a super executive, she she thought at that moment, well, she's not ready yet, but that's okay, and she made the right decisions. Okay. And we okay. and she gave us the opportunity to blow her up. She gave us real budget, real money to produce okay. her, her, her project. Let's let's blueprint what real money is now for our audience. He's got a record. He takes it to now Atlantic. He's getting a dist what we call a distribution deal, and they've signed the artist. So now they believe in the artist. They're going to put out more music on the artist. Uh, he's going to work with the label. Now this this deal that you're getting is money that you can go produce other acts, correct? Real acts, we can go into real studios. We had a studio in the basement. We went into gotcha. real studios and we paid real money. In those days, you know, you were paying about eighty to a hundred dollars an hour. You know? oh, right, right, right. Those are back in the days. So she gave us real money to hire to have our guys produce and bring in other producers. And, what was the initial and, budget that you remember? That you, the initial budget in those days was $110,000. And that was for an album, right? That was for an album. Okay, got it, got it. So not yeah, only that, you, that was the money that the kids get their advances out of, and they go buy right. their cars, and they go buy this, and the whole nine. Now, that brings up my next question about the accounting piece. Who mm -hmm. is your accounting and did you have one at the time? Ladies and gentlemen, understand, they're kind of doing this. You're listening to one of the pioneers, so everybody's doing this, figuring it out on their own, because why did he do it in the first place? They wouldn't sign him. So he's doing this with no blueprint, which I'm giving you tonight. I'm giving you the blueprint. So this $110,000, you're paying the artists, they got advances, they go by and whatever, Who's the accountant? Who's advising from the financial uh, standpoint? There's an accountant named Howick Comart was my accountant at the time. He's the guy okay. that handled most of the acts. He's the guy, I don't know if you remember who Dick Scott, do you remember Dick Scott? I remember the name. Dick, yeah. yeah. Dick, Scott, Dick Scott worked for Barry Gordy for years, He's, and he got a group called New Kids on the Block. And he oh, ran yeah. New Kids up to a billion-dollar act. Billion, not million, billion dollar act. And he was the guy that taught me a lot. I would go at night and talk to him and say, I'm at a level now. How do I get to the next level? I'm here. Now, how do I go further? And he would talk me through this. I would stay up with him sometimes at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. He was at Carnegie. He lived in the Carnegie. And I would just go there and he would tell me everything. And that's why I am so open to tell anybody whatever I learned because you got to pass it on. Right. You want to do and some also, mentoring. Absolutely. You, yeah, you, you, you have to. So getting this money now and, and pushing these artists was amazing. But you got to remember, hip-hop still was not selling mega amounts of records. Right. We, were still, we still had a very limited audience. So what happens now, you're, you're, you're selling 50000 You may get to 70000 80000 uh, The label 
give you a nice budget to um, produce a record. Now, in those days, videos now are cheap. In those video days, video was one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. Right. You're doing. You're getting videos for one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand. You're doing marketing. You got to pay half of that. You got to pay half right. of the marketing. You're doing. You're doing promotional tours. That's going to be recouped. So you look at right. that, and you'll say, okay, these artists are probably half a million dollars in the hole by now. That has to be recouped. Exactly. So, and, and see, that's the point I wanted to point out to the audience that you're not really making money in the beginning of it. This is the business side of it that nobody thinks about and sees. Thinks about and it. that's why I wanted to, to let him tell this story point by point, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, we're going to get to a point where we're talking about royalties and people thinking they got ripped off and this and that and the other. There was some of that going on, but this is the mm-hmm. business side, which I just saw an interview about with one of the gentlemen that I worked at at CBS, and he was talking about the recoupment of the money that is invested. Exactly. This is what Atlantic is investing in you. You have to pay this back off the next record. That has to be, now, the next record right. might not be a top billing. It might not be a be a hit like MC Lighthead. It might be mediocre, but it's still getting exposed and sales because there's an audience, but it's not as big as the initial ones. And that's money that's got to be recouped. Right, it doesn't make enough to to satisfy the recoupment. Right. Um, But sometimes you're in the hole. But you're operating, so you go to album two, you get another big advance, you get another budget for an album. You do more marketing, and you do you do the same, you do more videos. You do two and three videos, and now you're in the hole a million dollars. Mm, mm, mm. Because the videos are you you do three videos for one hundred fifty two hundred thousand. You're already you're already a half a million right there. Right. Right. So when you finish with the videos and you go do the the promo shows, the marketing shows, and you start doing all of the things that you necessarily, the, the promotion, those fees go on top of you also. Oh, and don't forget, you just got a brand new advance, personal advance. And that's got to be recouped. <laughs> and that's got to be recouped. Plus, if you didn't recoup on the first record, which most people didn't, now you're sitting in a situation that you're really in the hole. Okay, let me let me stop you right there. Who's doing the accounting on the record sales? Because understand, ladies and gentlemen, these records would be sold sold, in, sold to the distributors, where uh, distributors, what they call wholesalers, and uh, there was another name for them. But anyway, uh, I think barcodes were in the mix at that time. No, but barcodes bar- 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 came a little later than that. A little later. Came came a little, a little later, later than hip hop. So now we're, yeah. we're strictly yeah. doing this on the fact that the record label is saying, I'm going to order more whatever the second record is. I'm going to get five, five, uh, thousand, 10,000 of those. Okay, so my question to you is, how do you, how do you know what the record label is selling? Are you getting okay, th- weekly reports, monthly reports, or quarterly reports, Nat? We get, we get semi-annual reports. Twice six months, every six months. Six months, okay. every six months. So and what this report is telling you what you sold, 
what they what they put out and what you owe. More or, and, or and how much made. you owe. <laughs> yes, how much you still owe, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So so what what happens in that in that environment I well I don't want to because we discussed we want to talk about royalties. So I don't want to get into that right now. But no, what no. happens yeah, and yeah. just for the record, just for the record, you know what? We got seven minutes left. I'm gonna let you talk. Uh I'll probably do some edits here. But is it okay if I set this up, this board up again for another hour? Are you good with that? I'm good with it. Okay, because we have scratched. We we we're halfway through. I thought we'd be done, but I see. I got some more meat that I got to get out. It's from from that and the royalties that we can talk about and your new label, the new reboot, and the whole digital marketing strategy. So finish up on that. I got six minutes left, and then I'm going to start this thing all over again. You good with that? I'm good with that. Okay, now, go ahead. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going back into recouping. So now you you get the semi-annual report. You're looking at it, and, and, and take it from there, Nat. Well, what happens is they have accountants, of course, and they have financial people and uh, business affairs, the, the big labels. So they, they calculate these these numbers. Now, what you have to realize, most people would not know, the shops, the record shops would put into Billboard how many records they sold. But if you go in and you manipulate the record stores and you tell <laughs> them, I'm going, to, I'm going to renovate your kitchen for you, if you mm. up these numbers, they will up the numbers, but these are not real sales. Right. These are fictitious it's, sales. It's too because all those numbers are collected exposure. from record stores. Yeah, every they call these record com- these record stores. How many did you sell of this record? This record, that record. I sold five hundred. I sold two hundred. I, I sold a thousand. Not necessarily sold because the record companies didn't go back to distributors that distributed to these ma and pa and small record stores. But that's okay. That didn't really impact that much. But the numbers were much higher than the real sales. It still didn't right. impact that much. That was, you got to realize, the music business was a hustle. You know, um, I hope nobody get offended, but the, rec- the, the music business was controlled by Jewish gangsters. And I hope I don't offend anyone saying that, but that's a fact. You can check it out. And the, everything was manipulated in those days. There was no digital platforms in any way to really monitor that stuff. So right. what you That's were doing? The point I wanted do, to make. That's the point I wanted mm-hmm. to make. No barcodes. We're pre-barcodes. Pre-barcodes. So you get your accountant, your personal accountant. He has five years to look at those statements. But you got to realize when he goes back and he looks at this stuff, he sees the numbers. It's hypothetically, hypothetically, we sell ten records. And the record stores manipulate 10 more records. That's 20 records. When our accountant goes in, he says, you sold 20 records, you know. So on that side, it was a little good for us because we made just a little bit more money, even though we only sold 10 records. Right. Understand? So we, you know, everything was manipulated once you went to the majors and they might, maybe I need to shut up. They were doing their thing, you know. 
<laughs> you know. Well, let's but, let's put it this so, way. I'm going to clean it up for you for for a second. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving you a number. Are you taking that as Bible? I'm saying you sold fifty on the statement. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, are you going to believe Mike T, or did you sell twenty five? Or did you sell 75? What number? You're going to take my word. You have nothing to check and balance this on. You can't go nothing back to, to the pressing plant and ask the pressing plant, well, how many did Atlantic press up? The reason I got I'm one saying better than that, please. We, we're going to have to put that in part two, uh, Nate. Oh, let, me, let, me, let, me, uh, let me get this piece across. I worked at a okay. label. Where they worked, they walked in the guy's office and said, Mr. Tony Camillo, Venture Records, it was Murphy's Law. I worked mm-hmm. the promotion on that label. Let me give it to you straight, ladies and gentlemen. I work with some of what they call CD people in the music industry. We won't mention any names, but like <laughs> Matt is telling you, we want you to read between the lines, but I'm going to clear this up. For, for a purpose of education. This is the blueprint we're giving you tonight. I walked into Tony's office, and he says to me, Mike, RIAA just called me and told me the record went gold, 500000 on a single. Yes. He said, but Jose Wilson, who used to be Barry White's manager, was the vice president of promotion, which was should have been my position, but I was close, to, close, very close to Tony Camillo because of a group called Soul Generation. And what mm-hmm. happened was Jose was very close to TK Records. Henry Stone, that was his name. I was trying to remember his name. Henry Stone had his own pressing plant. And Jose and Henry had a deal that they made between themselves. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue this. I got a minute and 45 seconds left. And then we're going to come back with Nat. Henry Stone and Jose, it was a deal call. I'm going to press two for me, one for you. <laughs> yes. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me loud and clear. I'm pressing two for me, one for you. So when RIAA calls Tony Camillo and he they tell him his record went gold, and he's saying no, Jose gave me a report of 250000 Understand this business. I'm, we're going to close off at that point, and then uh, I'm going to come back with Nat in just a little while. 